Happy September, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin. Greetings, programs. I'm Jay Goldberg, and we are super excited to introduce you to our guest today. We're joined by Stacy Higginbotham. I've known Stacy for many years. She is one of the best technology journalists out there and uh, relevant to today. We're going to talk about the Internet of Things. So for the last, I don't know, 10 years almost, she's been she's been doing a podcast and a newsletter about the Internet of Things and is, I think, the the expert, the 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 prime source of all good analysis on Internet of Things. And she's joining us to talk today about IoT. Stacy, welcome. Thank you for having me, Jay and Ben. And I feel like the IoT is just an extension of chips. I always tell people, I'm like, oh my gosh, I used I started out covering semiconductors and then I covered wireless and then I covered cloud computing and then databases and all that. And all of a sudden everything came together in the IOT and people were excited to finally talk to me about something I liked. <laughs> so let, awesome. let's, let, let's start there. Like, how do you define the internet of things? What is IOT? What isn't IOT? And, and I'm not trying to be cute. I purposely described it or I purposely left it very broad when I started my company. One, cause I didn't want to get bored, but two, we're adding computing to everything. So if you like hold me down or you paid me and I gave you a talk in the last 10 years, what would happen is I'd be like, hey, the cost of sensors became dropped by more than half over the, I don't know the time frame now because it's been so long, but sensors are really cheap. Computing is really cheap. Wireless connectivity is ubiquitous. And all of this means that we have computing and everything, and it's going to change all kinds of things from business models to the way we think about what a product is. I mean, all of that is IoT, and it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Do, do you think of IoT as one thing or sort of an agglomeration of many, many different use cases? I think of it as like a, oh my God, I'm going to say the words paradigm shift. Ah! <laughs> I think of it the same way I think of something like broadband or mm. mobile or cloud computing. It's a big infrastructure shift. So IoT to me is just this underlying infrastructure. And just to make this like super sexy for everybody, I'll say I envision IoT, like the hardware, the sensors and the computing and all of that as being like the body of technology. And then AI is going to be like the soul on top of it. We're going to have these algorithms that use all of this hardware to actually deliver presumably relevant insights or money-making schemes, however you want to define it. <laughs> so I, I know one of the interesting factors of this for the past, I don't even know how long this has been, but but you'll recall as well as any, there was a, a time when we first started talking about IoT and there was these wild forecasts, 25 billion, whatever, connected devices by 2025, whatever, right? And and I think a lot of that was emphasizing the point that you're saying, which is essentially like computing's coming to everything. And people were saying things like, you know, whatever it is, it's chairs, it's refrigerators. And as you recall, like there'd be times at CES we're going and like literally everything was connected. Like you name it, my blender was connected, my, you know, copy thing was connected. And so you could sort of see the writing on the wall as to as to how how big it could be, but I'm curious in recent years because nobody says this anymore. Like, there's no more forecasts of like. I, I'm curious if you've seen anything that suggests 
are we close to that number? Did we fall short of that number? Is it bigger than that number? And and maybe broadly to the sense of just kind of the the size of the market. Obviously, it's going to be bigger, but I don't know if anything new has come up because I haven't seen it. So I'm curious if you do. Okay, so I'm sure you were there that that in, I think it was 2016 at the Arm event after Arm was purchased by SoftBank and Masayoshi San got up there and it was like there's going to be a trillion IoT devices by like 2025, and we're not there. Um, so I'm just going to tell you that right now. Do I think we could get to a trillion? It would be physically impossible with the technology we have today and the technology that we're developing for like the next probably five years. But if we look out 10 years, yeah, I think we'll stop counting it because it doesn't make sense to count it. Um, And I think it's the wrong way to look at it. I do think when you add computing to everything, what we're seeing is we're running into all of these problems as we do this around scale that have to be solved first. So I know you want me to give you like a magical number, like 11 trillion, which was like mm-hmm. the McKinsey report from early on, or I don't know, I think Cisco's saying 50 billion. And right, right. I mean, I could I could make up a number, but I, I think it's more relevant for people to think about, well, if we actually want to do this, and that's a big if, what do we need to make happen for that to happen? So I'm I'm sorry, no big headlines, unless yes. you want that. No, no, I, I'm with you on that. Maybe just briefly follow up on that. Like you said, what what you mentioned scale, but I'm curious, what are the other, I guess, perhaps either innovation bottlenecks, use case bottlenecks, or some of those things that you think, um, t- to your point, don't either don't scale or can't get us to that number because we still have some hurdles to overcome. Ben, I am so glad you asked me that. <laughs> uh, so big issue for connectivity is power, right? So we've got two two functions to that. At the very smallest nodes, like all those sensors that we're talking about, we cannot have a trillion sensors and change mm. the batteries. That is like, mm. there's not enough people in the world to do that, right? So we need to have better energy harvesting. We're actually getting there. Like if you want chips, there's that. Mosic is doing some cool work there. Um, I just saw funding for another company that I totally cannot remember. They just got like 8 million also doing that. Um, we're seeing innovations and deals actually like Nexperia getting bought um, all around like energy harvesting and making that easier to embed in things. And then on the other side, if we're seriously going to add and do something with all of this sensor data, we've got to think about how to reduce power consumption at the data center. And there I'm a little less like, I don't know what's happening, but that's kind of, that's one of the big issues. So just overall power consumption of computing and how we compute. Two is radio protocols and networking capabilities. So right now, it is very hard to stick a lot of sensors, and I'm talking like a thousand sensors, in a small space. And if you look at things like the Bluetooth SIG, looking at like electronic shelf labels and Bluetooth, right? You're thinking, we're we're like, oh, you could go in a grocery store and there could be like 4,000, maybe 10,000 tags easily, right? Mm. Probably more. How do all of those things communicate in such a relatively small space without like overwhelming the network? So those are things that are being worked out. Um, I feel like there's a bunch of other things. Security is another thing. And I don't, I mean, not everything that's tiny and small will have 
I, the ability to be as secure as like you won't have like a trusted enclave or something like mm-hmm. T T E E trusted. Anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. Um, and then finally, sustainability and recyclability. If these devices are going to crap out on us every like two to three years, like a cell phone, because we're either not going to do software updates or maybe they just like die. That is a lot of electronic waste we're going to put out into the environment Mm. and we can't do that. So those are just some of the big things I'm thinking about. That makes sense. So shifting gears a little bit, I know for years there was sort of a a dream of a, a unified IoT, right? Because in all that list of challenges, you didn't, you talked about a lot of things, but you didn't talk about like software. Is there ever going to be an operating system for the IOT? No. And it makes me so sad. Like, why can't we have like hyperlinks for the <laughs> IOT, right? Why can't we have this unified communication? But we can't, we just can't, that's not going to happen. We should stop thinking about it. We should stop letting companies tell us that they're going to offer this. We are going to have this weird, hodgepodge of different data models. We're going to have to have APIs, integrations between different like companies. It's it's just going to be a, a big old mess. And you just have to hope the value that you're going to get and derive from putting the stuff in there is enough to make up for the software headache. Are, are there any of these software initiatives over the years that you think have staying power? Like I've, I've actually lost track of them because it's I've given into despair on this front, but like What's the latest one? Matter? Does matter matter? <laughs> Man, I feel so burnt by matter. If anyone's ever like heard me talk about matter, I was so excited about it. And you know what? I still, I still am. Okay. Those things do matter. And you're right. Like, remember all join? Oh yeah. my gosh. Or <laughs> OPC or like matter is right now, it's mostly focused on the smart home. They're yes, they're trying to put into commercial buildings, but it is a it's an application layer standard for making devices interoperate. The problem, like all standards orgs, is when you get enough people in the room, they, they're they like, yeah, this in theory sounds good. And then when you start hashing it out, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. that. That doesn't work for us. And then you basically kind of degrade the standard to a point where it's a little less relevant. Matters in that process right now. But I'm still hopeful that it will still work a little bit. It may not be the end all be all, but I'm hopeful that it will do something to help bring things into the smart home and make it easier. And most importantly, more secure. And those are two Mm -hmm. things it actually does. It does not make it easier for you to like control your light bulb from Amazon's echo or your Google display, but it could one day, but Mm. at a minimum, it does make it easier to connect things and to make them more secure, which is good. So, so one thing I'm I'm curious about, which is sort of a, a setup to the question that I'm going to get to, um, as we talked about in terms of the market, it, it feels like momentum has slowed, but I don't think momentum has slowed. I think that's just a, a, by nature of we wanted to talk about it. CES made a big deal because it was good for CES and all of these vendors to get some some marketing love, and 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 I think part of the smart assistant follow on to that, which we bucketed into IOT was sort of a broader continuation uh, of that trend. But, but I'm curious if you think some of these fundamental problems that we're talking about have caused some people to perhaps re- rethink or reshape 
their thought process, whether that's from the silicon standpoint or um, or infrastructure standpoint in terms of right smart cities or whatever, that that I almost wonder, you know, would we call this? We're on the cusp, and I really hate to say this word, but I'm going to do it. Like of IoT 2.0, right? Like a another stage or perhaps a reset that kind of causes us to think a little bit more more different about maybe how we gauge progress, because that's what I'm sort of curious in. You know, can we gauge progress in this differently? And I, and I wonder if 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 that's the wrong way to think about it, or if that's kind of what we're in. That maybe a 2.0 stage is good, and perhaps we're we're starting a different cycle relative to to IoT. I don't know if it's 2.0. I mean, we sure we can call it that. I mean, remember way back in the day we called it end to end. Yep. So you know, and that was that was basically IoT. It just was less wireless, more expensive, everything. It was just more expensive. So you could argue that like IoT that we're talking about now is probably IoT 2.0 and it's the cheaper IoT. And so the next version of IoT might be like the, <laughs> I don't know if it's like the trough of disillusionment or the the boring part of the Gartner hype cycle <laughs> where we're like, oh, we're just getting stuff done and building it out. Right. We we are building it out. We have figured, I think companies have figured out use cases that make sense for them. And that I, I don't think we're going to have this, you know, how we always love to have these utopian visions in technology. So we're not going to get to this like smart dust era where everything knows everything and can, can derive insights from our surroundings and tell us what we need to know before we actually need to know it. And I think that's okay. Like, I, I know that that's kind of where we're at, but or where we were at, but we are seeing like manufacturers adopt sensors on their product lines to help uh, improve yields or improve sustainability efforts. They hated talking about it. They've been doing this for like, they started testing it probably eight years ago. They've been doing it at scale and in production for like the last sometimes three to five years, but they're only now talking about it because it provided such a competitive advantage for them. So we can call that whatever we want, industry 4.0, 5.0. We can add 5G to it. But the bottom line is people are using IoT to solve real problems today. Things like the smart home, I don't think our problems are big enough to really adopt what we've got so far. When we talk about smart cities, I don't think as a civil society we're ready for those conversations yet. So the things people are doing are very piecemeal mm. and that's how factories started. They were very piecemeal and are just now getting kind of incorporated into this whole. So we might see that in smart cities in like 10 years, 15 years. I mean, government also moves slower. Um, so that's, I, I don't know, call it what you will. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. So, so, and, and I actually think you made a really good point about like, are we in the boring part? And, and we might be, because like you said, people are going out and solving problems, right? Oil rigs are putting pressure sensors on that can be remotely managed. Like that's that's a great problem to solve, right? They, they need to from an automation standpoint. Um, but this, the, the where I wanted to get to, because I'm curious on how you view this, right? So, so again, if we're trying to measure progress, are there like key stakeholders or companies that you sort of look at and say, and I'll just throw this out, right? But let's just say like Qualcomm or NXP or or even TI, right? On the analog front, that if they're 
if their IoT business, right, where they report segment grows, then that would be an indication of progress, right? What are who who are some of those names that come up to you as as key stakeholders here for for IoT? So this is a really interesting question because a lot of like I used to look at IoT and I was like, ARM will be the big winner because they they have a you know they license MCUs, right? Um, now that's a little less compelling. And and I was like, oh, but will it really help them? Because the the ASPs, the average selling price of those mm-hmm. MCUs is so low. Like mm-hmm. who wants to build a business? I don't know, selling I'm trying to think of something cheap and inexpensive first. Anyway, but you know, now they're in the data center side. And I think that's an important thing that people don't really talk about when they talk about IoT. For every cheap chip you add at the edge, you're gonna need a corresponding fancy chip, maybe maybe every 10 or 50 cheap chips at the edge, you're going to need chips at either a, at an expensive chip at a gateway device, probably, mm-hmm. and expensive chips in the cloud in GPUs, right? Or something for something beyond GPUs for AI, right? So if you think like that, you realize that the IoT and adding all this computing everywhere is going to boost computing across the board. So Qualcomm is definitely going to win, right? They've got everything. ARM, probably going to win. Even if RISC-V, I know we can talk about that, but it's still going to do just fine for a while. Intel, the strategy shift, like, yeah, should it have something at the lower end? And should it? Sure. But, you know, it doesn't. And then we look at the pure plays like Nordic Semiconductor Mm -hmm. or Silicon Labs in my my hometown of Austin, and you're in you know, yes, they're totally going to win here, but not forever, right? They're probably going to get bought up. Same with NXP and Infineon and all the people who used to advertise on my podcast. And <laughs> I talk to all the time about this stuff. So I'm like, ah, I, I it, and there's going to be tons of room for like really cool startups because some of the problems we're seeing, we only see when we start adding tiny chips to things, mm. right? Or uh, tiny sensors to every place. That makes sense. Let, let me let me let me dig into that a little bit because you know we're ostensibly a semiconductor podcast. Um, you, you mentioned Silicon Labs. I, I'm sort of personally very fascinated by what they're doing because of all the big chip companies out there. They seem to have really bet the house on IoT. Can you just tell us a little bit about what they're doing and wh- why they? why what they're doing is different from everyone else? All right. So all the way back uh, two years ago or so when Silicon Labs, they did this big divestiture of their automotive and industrial and what kind of chips um, to, and said, hey, we're only going to do IoT. And in a lot of ways, what they're saying is they're really going to focus on, I, I look at it as the smart home. You could also argue it's smart buildings. They're focused, and they do have industrial clients still, but they're focused on Wi-Fi, Zigbee, Z-Wave, because they did that acquisition of Census. No, Sigma. Sigma. <laughs> There's so many deals in this space. Um, and Bluetooth and their focus on matter. And then they also have their focus on all their proprietary wireless stuff like Amazon Sidewalk. Um, so they basically are betting the house on those technologies. It makes a ton of sense because there is a lot of room for 
consolidation on the chip. So an SOC that can do, you know, remember how Broadcom became famous because they like were like, hey, we'll integrate FM and Bluetooth and did they do Wi-Fi all at the same time? Anyway, yeah. they were like, mm-hmm. let's cram all these radios on one chip and sell it for cheaper. I mean, that's kind of what Silicon Labs is doing. <laughs> and because software is such an important part of being a semiconductor company today, they're also focusing a lot on that in ways that are geared towards the specific like smart home or the asset tracking, those industries. And I think we're seeing other chip companies do that. They're probably just not making as much of a fuss about it as Silicon Labs. I mean, look at what Nordic is doing, right? It's very similar. Um, They're just a little quieter, maybe because they're Norwegian. Um, So... So what? I don't know. So so I think what Silicon Labs is doing is smart. I think it's relevant. I think they're really driving the industry forward. But I also don't think it's like, I don't know. They're not like all of the IoT. There's so many other players that you could, like if you were looking to create like an IoT investment package, sure, you could throw Silicon Labs in there, but I would not focus solely on them. Mm. Can, can they succeed without having a without having an operating system for the IoT like we were talking about before? When you say, yes, because I, I don't know what you say when you, when you say operating system at that level, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Sort of a common software platform. I mean, yes, yes. I don't think we're ever going to get to a truly common software platform. I mean, matters the closest they have, but that's. But they're also doing a million other things. Yeah, I was like, they're not all focused on matter, so I'm like, eh. Yeah. What? Well, and I, what? What about on the startup side? Are there any interesting companies in the startup space? You mentioned one of the power harvesting ones, but uh, any others come to mind? Let me come back to that because I'm going to keep thinking, and probably after we do this, I'll be like, holy cow, I forgot these like six. I mean. Broadly speaking, if you were a startup, I was talking to you if you were doing something really compelling around either super low power computing, uh, something around energy harvesting, um, if you were doing something with machine learning on the sensing device, so ways to cram neural model or ne- neural network models onto an MCU, and I'm talking like tiny, not just mm-hmm. like a phone, but like a total MCU. I was going to talk to you then. Um, those were probably my biggest priorities. Or if you had something really interesting on the security side at, mm. a, at a chip level. Mm. Because those, to me, were the biggest problems we were seeing. And I'll keep thinking of startups that may or may not be cool. Yeah, I mean, the one I keep coming back to is Williot, which does power harvesting. Oh, I love Williot. Yes, okay. I've known them forever. Um yeah, they're really excited. They're on the energy harvesting side and the deals they've been doing with over the air wireless power is they're really compelling. Mm. Like again, that solves the battery problem that yeah, right. I think is going to be a huge issue. I, I think the I think the points the points about these the specific problems that have to be solved is really that opportunity because in a lot of ways, you know, the bigger semiconductor companies have a very specific problem that they're trying to solve and they're not as as deep in the weeds as some of these other 
elements of the ecosystem, even though it's relevant to them, right, to grow this market, like energy harvesting or or even the the security bits that you mentioned. Um, but when when we look sort of at are are there some macro changes coming? And, and I'll phrase this first in terms of like let's land it for use cases. Like, why does anyone care? Like, I like talking about sort of the problems. Again, if you're industrial IoT, like I said, people are, are doing pressure sensors, they're doing valves, they're doing safety measurements. Like, that's a real big problem, right? And, and good for the humans who work there because they're benefiting from this in, in terms of automation. Uh, another good example that I liked, I'm, I'm sure you'll remember, there was a while ago, this company was touting their smart uh, light post, right? So all light posts on a street would have smart sensors. They'd have air purify, purification uh, devices so that if you lived in this microclimate, they could warn you that, hey, the air is not good. Maybe you should, you know, wear a mask. Wear a mask. But but kind of like land in a connected world. Like like what's, what's the experience like that for humans, right? Because I think this is a it, that that that's a macro change that doesn't just come to infrastructure, but there's a lot that we benefit from. Maybe we'll get freaked out by some of it, but the the human experience part of kind of this connected world, I, I think, is just a few examples would be great. Okay, I will. <laughs> so th- there's a million ways to parse this. So I'll in in some of them are incredibly outlandish, and some of them like you could live today. So you're you're streetscape example is a really good one. And it's a really interesting one um, because there are actual implications, I think, for hardware, but we'll go there second after we talk about some of these use cases. So if you think about street lighting is a great place for sensors because it has established power, the city owns it, you can do a lot there, right? So that's why you see so much around smart lighting. Plus LEDs, like automatically, you can invest there and reduce your costs. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of electricity use. You also get to provide public safety. So people love that. Um, so some of the thinking around this is like, hey, you've got your st- smart street, like dynamic street lighting. So it's got a it's got a lux sensor. It's got an LED. Maybe it has a camera on it. You mentioned air quality. Singapore, uh, not Singapore, in Busan and uh, Korea, they have noise, like decibel sensors. Right. So you put whatever sensors you care most about in Chicago, it's probably shot spotter microphones, right? Uh, you put that on there, you're walking through and as a citizen, what you're, what the city is trying to sell you then is this sense of safety. As I walk through and it's dark and I'm alone, maybe the lights get brighter. Mm. Um, Maybe if it senses, maybe it's communicating with the road and a car is coming. Maybe it brightens because it wants to show me to the car and maybe it does some sort of weird flicker thing. So the car driver pays attention to there's a person in the crosswalk. We're actually seeing some really cool stuff around pedestrian safety. San Jose has a great like Hmm. project they're doing there. Um, So, and then let's say, let's say somebody shoots somebody on that same street or and you hear, you recognize the sound of a gunshot, you can send police officers over. You mentioned air quality, like triggering air quality alarms. Those cameras could be either actual cameras or there could just be like car tracking, like like object detection. So mm. not a recognition thing, but with object detection, they can track traffic and report that back to a central office and then do something with that, reroute ambulances, I don't know. So those are a lot of the city cases that you see. Um, In my home, 
I've done an enormous amount of silly and wonderful things in my home. So one of my favorite connected devices is actually an oven. And I talk about it all the time because I can put food in my oven. It has a, it has a GPU in it and a camera. It sees what's in there. It runs, it, it runs computer vision and it's like, oh, Stacy, is this salmon? And I'm like, it is. It's like I press the button telling it it is, and it just cooks it. I don't have to think about it at all, right? So if you extrapolate that out across the rest of your cooking, that's pretty awesome. Um, from a safety perspective, my security alarm could eventually, when it goes off, at that moment decide to share the information about who's in my house or mm. get camera, like share camera data about like, is there actually a fire going on or is this a false alarm? So those are the kind of things we might see. Um, in industrial, yeah, you see sensors everywhere and they're used for all kinds of things. Um, oh, Schneider Electric, they had sensors on their production line and they realized if they changed the order at which they manufactured like breaker boxes, they would actually save energy. So they did that. Um, so there's there's tons tons of really good use cases. I feel like I'm boring you. But. No, no, those are great. Just, that, I, like I said, just a high level view so people could be like, rubber meets the road. Why should we care? That, that was very helpful. Thanks. Um, but so here's the fun part. If you imagine like those streetlights we talked about, I don't know how many street lamps there are in the world or sure. even in the US, but there's a lot. And mm -hmm. if you think about developing a board or maybe even a full like custom SOC designed to do like the four things everybody wants to do on that. That is a really interesting opportunity for silicon makers because historically, like we're when you put computing everywhere, you've moved from like I'm building chips for smartphones and servers, right? Now we're building chips for lampposts and mm -hmm. kitchen appliances, and they need different things, and yet millions of those devices are sold. It really changes the economies of scale. I don't know. It, it really becomes very interesting for chip manufacturers. It makes their reference designs more important, but it also, I think, opens up a lot of opportunities for new people to come in and build things that might be the best darn lamppost semiconductor, you know, package ever. And you could make a lot of money doing that. Yeah. So, so, I have a million more questions because uh, this is deeply fascinating and you have forgotten more than I will ever know about this subject, but I am conscious of time. We're coming up on a hard stop. So I just, it's 2023. We are, you know, obligated to ask about AI when it comes to IOT. It's sort of, it's a requirement, right? Um, where do you see the AI getting deployed for IoT? Is it going to be in the device or is it all just going to be done back in the cloud? It will not all be done back in the cloud. Oh, you want a hot startup? Edge Impulse is a great startup. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so it is impossible to send all of that. It's not, it's just stupid. It would be the dumbest thing we could do. It's power intensive. It's insecure. It's just dumb. It's latent. We don't want to do that. So we're going to bring it as close to the processor or as close to the sensor as we can, right? So there's going to be a lot of stuff done like truly on an MCU at the sensor, right? And then there's going to be stuff that's done on a gateway in the facility itself. And then, so AI is going to be everywhere. And I think the interesting things and problems to solve there are one, like 
can you have a model that extends the whole way? Maybe, maybe not. What kind of ML ops would you do to make sure those models make sense? And, you know, can like one, maybe not one guy, but one person can sit there and like manage and understand them all? Probably not. But those are the kind of things we should be thinking about, right? Same way we think about like, how do we deploy apps on a tiny device all the way back to the cloud and have them make sense? Same thing for ML. Um, and I think there's room for specialty silicon there because it's a whole new problem we're trying to solve and nobody's solved it. So it's like greenfields. Awesome. Awesome. Stacey. That was really, really good. Yes. Appreciate, appreciate your time, Stacey. It was thank you. Super thank you insightful. for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And hope, hopefully you'll be willing to come back. <laughs> this is a good topic and uh, we appreciate your insight. So very much thank you thank you all right everybody thanks for listening and like we always say like listen or subscribe give us reviews and we always appreciate your feedback share the podcast and thanks again to stacy you can find her uh on twitter and uh, numerous other places so uh thanks again and we'll talk to you next time thank you everybody thanks stacy thank you